Greeny with Mike Greenberg, the podcast. Yes, it is. Greeny presented by Progressive Insurance. My guests on the Goodyear hotline, they will include in this hour, Donald Driver, live in a half hour. One of the great players the Green Bay Packers have ever had. Their all-time leading receiver, actually. Played all those years with Aaron Rodgers. Getting set to watch Rodgers play against Brady in a conference championship game. Coming up in just a moment as well, I will tell you about the best thing I've seen on social media maybe ever. If you're just joining us and you've not been connected to much media today, we opened the show and spent about a half hour talking about the story involving now former New York Mets general manager Jared Porter, who was fired today after a story on ESPN reported by our Jeff Passan and Mina Kimes, and it is extraordinary and detailed and extraordinarily disturbing. Um, and it's up on ESPN.com right now about how when he was working for the Cubs in 2016, there was a female reporter who was covering the team, and he sent her a seemingly never-ending array of, to use the term lightly, highly inappropriate text messages and photos and all sorts of other things. And um, there was no question but the moment that this surface that he was going to get fired. Anyway, I I spent about a half hour on this, and I'm not going to try and work myself back into that state of mind again. I I will mention that we have the, um, I have all of the information, the the, the podcast goes up every single day. It's the top of the very first hour today. We talked to Jeff about the insight that he had into the story, and then we talked at some length about how, if anything like this is going to change, if we're going to have major, significant, structural, lasting change of consequence, not just in sports, not just in baseball, because this is not a baseball problem, it's not a sports problem, it is a problem that goes well beyond that, then it is imperative that people like me, people who have the kind of platform that I have, talk about this and make it clear where we stand on it. So we tried to, to do that today. So if you're just joining me here again, I have a lot of that. We have, we've spoken at great length about it. And if there is any further information whatsoever, you will hear it here. In the meantime, back to some of the other News of this extremely busy sports day. And did you see the quotes from Bruce Arians when he was talking to Peter King of NBC Sports? Did you see what he said? He said of Tom Brady, quote, New England didn't allow him to coach. I allow him to coach. I just sit back sometimes and watch. I have two reactions to that from Bruce. One, I love it. There's nothing in the world better than a coach who just has no filter. Bruce Arians, whose appearance on the sideline this weekend drew a lot of reaction on social media from a lot of people. Um, He's just an unusual dude, right? And he just says stuff. Like, he will just say things that maybe all the coaches in the NFL think. He's the only one who'll say it. So I'm all in on that. Far be it from me to suggest that he shouldn't be talking that way if he wants to. I, for one, love it, and I'm delighted. But if you have to react to it, I will just say, let's make it clear. I do not think there's a whole lot of room for criticism of the way Bill Belichick coached Tom Brady. That combination is the most successful coach-player duo in the history of the sport and in the top three of any sport in the history of our country. I guess maybe Red Auerbach and Bill Russell? And where else are you going to find a coach-player combination, Phil and Michael, to find a coach-player combination as successful as that one was. And when you consider the magnitude of doing it in football, where it is just markedly harder to do it than in any other sport, that kind of sustained excellence, I don't think there's a whole lot of room to say, you know, however it is Bill Belichick chose to coach Tom Brady, 
it didn't work so well. There's no room for that. Maybe Brady didn't always love it. Maybe it, in the end, it is the reason that Brady wanted out, or one of the reasons. But I certainly don't think we can say, you know, if only Belichick had allowed Brady to coach a little more, they might have really had something there in New England. So I, I think that it is important to say both of those things about that today. Greeny presented by Progressive Insurance at Progressive. They're making things even easier. They'll help you bundle your home and car insurance together so you can save on both. Learn more at Progressive.com or 1-800-PROGRESSIVE. Meanwhile, I saw something on social media the other day. It might be my favorite thing I've ever seen on social media in my life. The New York Post, their cover, their, their, their back page was basically a, a, a beseechment to the New York Jets that basically suggested you got to do everything you can to go out and get Deshaun Watson. It said, whatever it takes. They're very big on puns. And they said, whatever it takes, and it's a big suggestion that the New York Jets need to do everything in their power to go out and get to Sean Watson. And that was posted on Instagram. And do you know what saw I saw? Deshaun Watson liked it. He didn't just emotionally like it. He didn't just figuratively like it. He literally liked it. And so now either he is toying with my emotions or he's sending a signal that the New York Jets are one of the places he'd be interested in going. And that, of course, would be the most important thing that's ever happened. Deshaun Watson is going to get traded. I told you this yesterday. Yesterday was a holiday, and so many of you maybe not in your usual routine. Uh, Yesterday I did my uh, green list of the top five places that I'm hearing are the likeliest for Deshaun Watson to wind up. And obviously all of this is extremely fluid, up to and including the fact that the Texans could just decide no matter what happens, they're not trading him. But the five places you hear from all the people that I'm talking to are the Bears, the 49ers, the Jets, the Jaguars, and the Dolphins. Those all have their places that make sense that we're hearing about for a variety of reasons. And of them, I think the Jets, the Jets, the Jaguars, and the Dolphins have the most they can offer, the most intriguing packages they could put together to offer Houston. Now, Deshaun is ultimately going to have a, an enormous say in how this decision comes out because of his no-trade clause. So he's not just going someplace he doesn't want to go. So all this remains to be seen. I'm not sitting here telling you I know what's going to happen. But what I am telling you is that Deshaun wanting it to happen is going to be part of this. They can't just trade him wherever they want. They can't just get the best package from any team that might be willing to offer it unless Deshaun is interested. So again, you look at these teams and you say, who has the most to offer? The Jaguars have the first pick in the draft, which equals Trevor Lawrence. There's no better way to replace a young superstar quarterback than with a young quarterback everyone thinks is going to be a superstar. People talk about Lawrence as a prospect more highly than they talked about Deshaun. Deshaun was the third quarterback taken in his draft. Now, I wouldn't trade Deshaun Watson for that first pick, but I can see where it would make sense. The Jets, meanwhile, have the second pick in this draft, and they have five first-round picks in the next three years. So they have a treasure trove of things they can offer the Texans. And the Dolphins have a ton of draft picks, including the ones they got from the Texans, so they have two number ones this year, including the third pick in the draft this season, and they can offer to Otunga Vailoa if that's something Houston might like. So those feel like the possibilities right now. We will see if that's what winds up happening. But certainly, on the list of options is that Deshaun Watson will have a lot of say in where he winds up. And if he's liking photos of himself as a New York Jet, 
I, for one, am paying close attention. My hot takes are next. Donald Driver's coming up later in this hour. It's Greeny on ESPN Radio. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Greeny, the podcast. Greeny with you. We roll along on what is a very busy day here. Looking ahead to the NFC and AFC championship games this weekend and a whole lot more. The great Donald Driver will join me coming up in 15 minutes or thereabouts. He was picked by the Green Bay Packers in the seventh round in the 1999 draft and is the all-time leader in receptions and receiving yards for that team. Won a Super Bowl with Aaron Rodgers, and we'll watch Rodgers try to get back to another one this weekend. So we will talk to him. But right now it's time for the takes. Greenies takes. All right, here we go. I've got three football takes for you, and they're coming in scalding hot today, and they are ready to go. And the first one is this. If they gave an award for MIP, In the National Football League, most improved player, which is not one of the awards they give on that Saturday night special the night before the Super Bowl, my vote would be for Baker Mayfield. I think if they gave that award, the winner would be Josh Allen. I think that the the, the world at large would give it to Allen. And the jump in his game, the progression of his game, from where he was a year ago to where he is now, is noticeable, and I'm not ignoring it. But I'm merely saying this. A year ago, I think a lot of people thought Baker Mayfield was a bust. The word bust was used in connection with his name. He came on Get Up With Us at the Super Bowl and talked about having to humble himself, talked about having to change the way he goes about things. And I can't tell you how much I admire the way he did it. And candidly, he got himself in the right offense with the right coach. This was his first year in this system with this new coach. They didn't have any training camp. They didn't have any preseason. They didn't have any offseason of any of that stuff they normally have. And he had a brilliant year. Brilliant. And went from being a bust in many people's eyes to the franchise quarterback for the next decade. Lock. Just lock it in. Write it down. I don't know if he's a superstar player, but he is unquestionably one you can win with. And now you're starting to see a little bit of the moxie and you're starting to see a little bit of the athleticism and he'll take off and run it for big first downs when he needs to. He showed you everything you need to see. And I'll tell you what, he wasn't the reason they didn't win on Sunday either. So to me, if there was a most improved player award, I would give it to Baker Mayfield this year. Next. My next hot take is this. Allen Robinson is shaping up to be this offseason's most sought-after free agent. When you look at what Stefan Diggs and DeAndre Hopkins meant to their teams and their quarterbacks last offseason, I believe every team in the league is looking for that now. 
I don't think going out and signing Allen Robinson makes a lot of sense if your team is 2-14. and 14. But if your team is close, if it's on the cusp, or if you, maybe even more importantly, if you have a good young quarterback you're looking to develop, the best thing you can do is go out and get him that guy. The impact that Stefan Diggs has had on Josh Allen, I think, is immeasurable. The impact that DeAndre Hopkins has had on Kyler Murray, 115 catches this year, immeasurable. Someone is going to make Allen Robinson a very, very rich man thinking that he can have that same impact on their young quarterback. As he did with Kyler Murray, take him from point A to point B, or as he did with Josh Allen, take him from point B to point C. Either way, there's enormous value in that. So Allen Robinson, there were a few unrestricted free agents. Juju Smith-Schuster, only 24 years old. Kenny Galladay, big, long, excellent receiver. But the best of them is Robinson. And so I believe Allen Robinson will be this year's most sought-after free agent. He will be this year's Stefan Diggs or DeAndre Hopkins. And then one more. I said it on TV this morning, and I stand by it. If Patrick Mahomes cannot play on Sunday, the Kansas City Chiefs have no chance to win. None. And that is not necessarily meant as an attack on Chad Henney, although I fully understand that he's going to interpret it that way if he hears it which he probably won't. He's not on any social media besides LinkedIn. (laughs) He was asked after the game last week when Mahomes tweeted, anything is possible if he, Chad Henney, had seen it. And he said, no, they don't have hashtags on LinkedIn. That seems to be the only social media he's involved in. And he's a, a fine backup. And I take nothing away from Chad Henney, who's had a long and prosperous NFL career. But there's only one Patrick Mahomes. And while we try sometimes to diminish him a little, because there's so much talent around him. Let's bear in mind, a lot of that talent is that talent because he's their quarterback. Did you see the interception that Henny threw in the end zone in the fourth quarter of that game? That could easily have cost Kansas City their season. That was a punt. He just basically punted into the end zone. He just kicked a touchback with his arm. And then he got very fortunate that the defense stopped Mayfield Fourth and nine, they might have gone for it if Mahomes was on the field. Instead, they punted because Henny was the quarterback. They got him into a third and 14, and God bless him. He ran for 13 and a half yards and then threw a pass to Tyreek Hill. Be the most memorable two plays of his career. And good for him. I take nothing away from him. But 60 minutes of that against Buffalo, the way that team is playing, the way Josh Allen is playing, no way. No way. I don't care where the game is being played, and I don't care what else happens. Patrick Mahomes is the difference between the Chiefs probably winning or, in my opinion, having next to no chance whatsoever. Those are the hot takes for me, Greeny, today as we look ahead to this weekend, and and we hope that we have outstanding games to watch this weekend. And and look, Mahomes is sensational. Vegas agrees with me, by the way. The last I'd seen the game as a consensus pick them right now because they're not they're not there yet. And this is going to be a fascinating study. Friend of mine, Chris Carrera, sent me a note with a story about how this is really a conundrum for Vegas because you're going to find out late in the week which way this thing is going to go. If I had to bet on it right now, if I had to handicap it, I would bet that Mahomes is going to play. But that is by no means a certainty. This stuff is out of his hands. It's out of their hands. And the NFL, I think, is well aware that they're going to be heavily scrutinized if he is out there. They will, will, and I have no doubt they will. I do not believe this is stuff they pay lift service to. I believe this is stuff that they do seriously and with the right right intentions. 
They will have to document exactly how it is that he is eligible to play. But what a difference that makes in Vegas. That's at least a touchdown difference. I think Buffalo's a four-point favorite if there is no Mahomes. I think Kansas City's a three-point favorite if there is. So that is going to be fascinating. It's like watching the futures market right now, trying to figure out if Patrick Mahomes is going to play or not. Coming up, Donald Driver on his old teammate Aaron Rodgers. And the best statistic you will hear anywhere today, I absolutely guarantee it. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Robert Half Research indicates nine out of ten hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Greeny, the podcast. <laughs> Greeny with you on ESPN Radio, coming to you live from above the Heineken River deck at Pier 17, presented as always by Progressive. The stat of the day, which might be the stat of the year, is on the way. But right now, we are five days in counting to the conference championship games in the NFL. My next guest was picked by the Green Bay Packers in the seventh round of the 1999 NFL draft. Played 14 years in Green Bay. Still has the franchise's all-time records for most career receptions and receiving yards. Won a Super Bowl and won Dancing with the Stars. Joining me on the Goodyear Hotline is the one and only Donald Driver. Good morning, Donald Driver. What's up, Green? What's going on, man? I, I, I always like to begin the conversation with this. Do more people know you as a, a, a <laughs> an all-time great player, a Super Bowl champion, or a Dancing with the Stars winner? I would say the women know me more as a Dance with the Stars winner and the guys know me more as a football player. So it it goes hand in hand. I guess it's an even trade. You are a multi-talented fellow and there's no question of that. Here's where I want to start the conversation. It's always great to see you and thank you for for making some time here. So when Aaron Rodgers was drafted, um, Mike and I were hosting the draft on ESPN Radio and, and that was the year that he fell like crazy, people will recall. And he was there. And when he finally got drafted by the Packers, he came and did interviews with people, including with us. And I remember what he looked like. I remember how crestfallen he was. I remember how upset he was. He, he, he seemed really genuinely devastated by what had happened. Tell me about that first experience then with him, because he went there and obviously had a chip on his shoulder, but had to wait a long time to prove to everyone that they were wrong. What are your earliest recollections of Aaron Rodgers coming into Green Bay? He was a down-to-earth guy. I mean, very, very modest, humble. Uh, but I, I think he, he felt like he should have been the first pick in the draft that year. And uh, unfortunately, you know, the team that I think he grew up watching, the 49ers, took Alex Smith. And so I think at that point, he just felt like he wanted, he had a lot to prove. Uh, but he knew that he was going to come in and learn from one of the greatest quarterbacks to ever play the game. 
Uh, and sometimes that's the best thing to do. Uh, he was blessed to be able to do that, learn, and then learn all the tricks to the trade. But uh, the guy's amazing. And now, I mean, it shows. It, it proves it. Uh, it's a proven fact that he's, uh, he's at the highest level right now. There's no question of that. But what was it like then? So now he's there. Favre is the starting quarterback, and he's a superstar. He's, he's at that time, the most beloved player in the entire National Football League, and there's Rodgers, a first-round pick, sitting and waiting. What was, what was that dynamic like for the rest of you, for you as a receiver, watching it play out? You know, I think for me it was fine. Uh, you know, I, I, I don't really care who throws the ball to me. If it's <laughs> Brett, Aaron, Bill Peterson, uh, Matt Flynn, it, it didn't matter. I mean, my job is always just to catch the ball. And, uh, but I think Aaron wanted to get the opportunity. He knew that he was behind an icon and a legend, and he had to wait his time. And I think it all paid off at the end of the day that he was able to sit back and learn. Um, but then when the opportunity presented itself and he became the starting quarterback, I was the first person to reach out to him and say, hey, listen, you need me, I need you, uh, let's go to work now. And uh, we had an amazing career together. So, But maybe this came, and Donald Driver is with me here, maybe this came before that, what do you remember being the first time you thought to yourself, oh, this guy's special, like whether it was practice or whatever it might be? What was the first time you said to yourself, we've got something really, really special in this Aaron Rodgers? It was uh, the, day, the game we played in Dallas. Um, Brett gets hurt. Aaron steps in, and we were down in that game. And, uh, I mean, at the end of that, we almost won that game coming back. And it showed at that point that uh, – the guy had great poise in the pocket, knew that that was the first opportunity that he can come in and, and show the, the world that he can play uh, at that level. And he almost we almost pulled that game out right at the end, and unfortunately we lost that game. But it showed that he had a bright future. And um, every single year it seemed like the kid's getting better and better. Oh, my goodness, is he ever. And he's not as much of a kid anymore as he once was, obviously at 37 now, but he's doing it at about as high a level as ever. One thing I, I like to try and ask you to explain to people who may not get it, like – the quarterback of, of the hometown team is an extraordinarily important person in, in every NFL city in America. But there is something different about Green Bay. And, and maybe it's because of the legendary lineage there, starting with Starr and then obviously Favre and now Rodgers. How would you describe what a star quarterback means to the people that you encounter every single day when you're living and playing in Green Bay? I think it's the best position in, in Wisconsin, I mean, we, you got to think, if you go back and think about the history of that franchise, it hasn't been but three quarterbacks that have been there and, and, and played amazing. I mean, you think about, you know, you go back and you think about Bart Starr, and then the transition comes where it's Brett Favre, and then from there you get Aaron Rodgers. Unfortunately, not every franchise get that opportunity, and we've been blessed to be able to have that for a long time. And for me to play with two Hall of Fame quarterbacks is truly amazing. But I think those guys would always say that if uh, – if, if they didn't have the weapons that they have, they wouldn't be the players that they are. Um, so we have to take our hats off to everybody that, you know, play tribute to making these guys great. Um, so I think that's the most exciting part about it. I think what you're saying, Donald, is that both Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers owe everything to you. That were it not for Donald Driver, <laughs> neither one of those guys would be where they are today. <laughs> I, I'll say this, is that I would never say that part because they're, they're great players. But I think Brett said it better at my Hall of Fame speech. Uh, I gave. He said it wouldn't be it wouldn't be a Brett Favre without a Donald Driver, and and I think that's vice versa, um, because we've been able to play together for a long time. And the same thing I think Aaron would say about myself and Jordy and Greg, and as well as James Jones and Jamichael Finley. I mean, the list goes on and on of great players that have uh, contributed there. Donald Driver is with me here. All right, so let's then talk about the resurgence. 
Like Aaron Rodgers, the last couple of years, whether it was, well, I guess it could have been anything, but for whatever reason, it looked like he was at the beginning of a decline, which isn't a criticism. It's, it, at least in the history, it was normal. He was at an age where you would think a decline might be expected. So how do you explain him having what may very well be the best season of his career right now at this age in this offense? Well, I look at myself, Greeny. I think that's what, you know, I take that from what people told me when I turned 30. I think I turned 35 years old. Everyone said I was done and I wasn't going to be able to play. Um, And then by the time I was 36, 37, I was still playing at the highest level. Uh, And I retired at 38 years old and I still wasn't done playing. I just didn't want to play for another organization but the Green Bay Packers. So Mm. I was willing to walk away. And you remember, I retired on you guys' show that Mm -hmm. that year. Uh, And so – I don't think it's one of those things. I think when people doubt you, you want to prove them wrong. And for me, every year I prove people wrong that I can still play at the high level, and I did that as well. And I think that's what Aaron's proving right now is that when you doubt me, I'll come back and i prove you wrong, and he will be the MVP candidate uh, this year once again. Oh, he's he's going to win it. I think it's a, it's a seems like a lock. And he obviously has an extraordinary chemistry. He had it with you, and he clearly has it now with Devontae Adams. So as a receiver yourself, and, and again, the most prolific in the history of the Green Bay Packers, which is an enormous statement when you consider the great players they've had going back to Don Hudson. Um, when you watch Devontae Adams play, you tell me what we're seeing. He's probably one of the best receivers in the game today. Uh, in this era, you know, there's a lot of off coverage. There's not a lot of bump and run where, you, you know, you get the guys playing hard nose, but he proved that he can get off on the release. He can catch the ball. He can run routes. Uh, all around, he has the full package. And uh, if the kid can stay healthy, man, it's just a bright future. I mean, my, you know, records are meant to be broken. If he stays healthy enough, uh, he may be the all-time packing league receiver in franchise history once it's all said and done. And so I take my hat off to him. And so I guess a final thought, give me the keys to the game. Obviously, you got the two legendary quarterbacks going head to head here with Rodgers, the the presumptive MVP and the legend Brady at the age of 43 still doing it. How do you see this game and what are the keys for the Packers and Bucks on Sunday? I think it's going to be who can stop who. I think defense is going to step up and play. Um, as we both know, when they played each other last time, Tampa Bay had the upper hand. Um but I think it falls down to the end. It's like, how do we how do we score points? That you know that game we didn't score off. The Packers did not score at all. Um, but I think it's just the changing changing the atmosphere. You know, you're in Green Bay. It's the frozen tr- tundra. So I think at that point, um, those guys play well every single time. And so you look at the you look at the roster of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. You got Tom Brady, you got Gronk, and you got Antonio Brown. Both of those, all those guys have played in cold climates, so they know exactly what to expect. Uh, the guys that didn't, it's, it's always hard. And so Tampa's, ne- you know, Tampa just hasn't beaten us in uh, December or January. So this is going to be the, it's going to be the battle of the battles. And, you know, you got two Hall of Fame quarterbacks that's going at each other. You know, the outcome will be who plays uh, the better defense. Oh, and there were some flurries in that game on Saturday. And we are, I'm looking at my app right now. Sunday in Green Bay, 28, high of 28, low of 21, 50% chance of snow There's nothing that says football more than that does. Hey, Donald, it is always such a pleasure to see you. Thank you so much, my friend. Uh, Enjoy the game this weekend, and we'll catch up again soon. 
Will do. Thanks again for having me. All right. It's always a pleasure. That's the great Donald Driver with me on the Goodyear Hotline, who is just a terrific guy and was a terrific player. I, I don't know that everyone realizes that he is the Packers' all-time leader in career receptions and career receiving yards. Now, he may ultimately have those records broken by Devontae Adams, but he's got a long way to go. And the Packers have been around as long as football has been around, and they had the first legendary receiver. The first all-time great receiver was Don Hudson, who used to play without shoulder pads. And and he was really the first legendary receiver the sport ever produced. And they've had a lot of great ones over the many years. And, of course, they've got the great one now in Devontae Adams. But Donald Driver was the guy with Favre, and he is the guy, was the guy with Aaron Rodgers, and he's just a terrific amount of fun to talk to. So a pleasure to be able to catch up with him, and we'll see what happens. Okay, next order of business. I want to give you what I think is going to be a stat you are going to love. You know, we do our fascinating stat of the day, which is brought to you by DraftKings, America's top-rated daily fantasy app. But Hembo gave me one today that I think goes beyond stat of the day. I think this starts to approach stat of the year status. And here's what it is. James Harden and Kevin Durant, and the Nets, by the way, last night, played a thrilling and very entertaining game against the Milwaukee Bucks one that they held on, they held off a shot in the air that would have won it for Milwaukee at the end. I will tell you right now, if that's going to be the Eastern Conference Final between these two teams, sign me up for seven games like that in May right now. But either way, the Nets with James Harden wind up winning the game, 125-123. Harden and Durant continue to just be spectacular. Durant had 30, Harden had 34. In their two games together, they have combined for 138 points. That is the second most combined points for teammates in their first two games together in NBA history. Who do you think is the only duo ever to score more points combined in their first two games as teammates with a franchise? I'm going to give you a minute to think about it because I think it is a fascinating question. And what we have seen so far, while it has only been two games, so it's much too small a sample size to draw any Major conclusions. What we've seen so far are Kevin Durant and James Harden fitting together like a hand in a glove. And that should come as no surprise because this was a choice they made to play together and they have played together before. They, of course, were teammates in Oklahoma City once upon a time. And now here they are. And you've got two brilliant scorers. Two of the, I I should have stopped and thought about this, maybe the two best scorers in the NBA today. I was about to say two of the what? Probably two of the two. They are probably the two best scorers in the right. Nuno, am I forgetting it? Who is a better scorer, just pure scorer, than either of these two guys? Kevin Durant may be the best pure scorer that we've ever seen. And James Harden is right there putting up numbers the likes of which we haven't seen practically ever. So maybe they're the two best scorers in the entire NBA today. And so far, so good. And they're using players around them. They didn't have to trade away all of their depth to get James Harden. So, so far, so good through two games. The question is, what happens when they cease to be a dynamic duo and they become a trio? What happens when Kyrie Irving returns, which basically is going to happen now? We thought for a time he might have played last night, and he's going to start playing again soon. I asked Tim Legler that question this morning on Get Up, and Legler, as you will hear, has some question as to whether that is actually going to work. Very difficult for me watching that game, imagining Kyrie Irving on the floor because I love the flow that they had. And I talked about those other role players getting great opportunities. Well, when you now add another guy to the mix that's a ball-dominant player, um, 
I think the flow is going to be interrupted. And Kyrie's put himself in a little bit of a tough spot here by missing the beginning of this because now you feel like the pressure is going to be on him to figure out a way to make sure that this thing stays humming the way that it has for the first two games. And you almost feel like he's being set up to fail no matter what happens. Kyrie Irving is going to be the guy that people are going to point at regardless of how he plays if they start losing games or if this offense slows down. That's pretty much right. I mean, of that, there is no question. Every game that the Nets lose from the moment Kyrie Irving comes back, the first question is going to be, were they better off without him? That's a reasonable first question to ask when you consider how good they've looked in the two games since before he returns. Now, here's the thing. Kyrie Irving, whom I know only a tiny little bit, and I've told you at great length what I think of this situation here on this show over the last couple of weeks. Kyrie Irving, to me, is a person who is dealing with a lot and I believe needs some assistance. I don't think he's a bad guy. I don't think he is. The actions that he has taken to this point have been as much drawn or driven by unprofessionalism, as I've heard suggested in other places, as they are by a a person having a difficult time just dealing with and processing all the things that are in his head right now. And that can be difficult on many of us from time to time. So I think maybe with my history here, I'm a little more inclined to give someone the benefit of the doubt. Doesn't mean that I would have all the patience in the world if I were them, but we'll see. One way or another, the point is, what I can tell you about Kyrie Irving is that like many people in his position, he is highly intelligent. Highly intelligent. So he gets it. He will be able to figure out exactly what needs be done for those three to be operating at their maximum efficiency. The problem is, what he may figure out is that the one who was really diminished is him. At the end of the day, Durant is going to be the number one player on the team. Durant is the number one option. Durant is the immortal. Durant is the historically and currently the best, of, the best player of those three. James Harden is a guy who you know what you're getting when you get him. You're asking James Harden to be James Harden. You're not asking James Harden to come in and spot up. It's kind of like asking Carmelo Anthony to come to your team, as we've seen some people do, and then be surprised when he's Carmelo Anthony. At the end of the day, when you hire someone to do a job, know who they are. You went out and traded for James Harden. You know what you're getting. The question is, where does that leave Kyrie Irving? What exactly becomes his role with this group? I'm not sure, and I think what he may figure out, because he'll be the first one to understand it, is that what may happen is that he'll realize that the one who's going to have his game the most compromised by this is Kyrie. Kyrie is a ball-dominant guard. He has another ball-dominant guard on his team that his franchise just went out and traded half their roster for. So whether, whether it is actually better for them or not, Harden is going to be the one with the ball in his hands. That's what's going to happen. So if James Harden has the ball in his hands, And Kevin Durant is the one who's moving without it and they're trying to set up offense for, and at times, of course, creating his own offense as well. Where does that leave another guy who wants to dribble the ball like crazy and create his own shot or one for someone else? I'm not sure. So I think Legler is right. I'm not saying it isn't going to work. I'm saying it's really difficult for me to picture exactly what it's going to look like when it does. Because it's one thing for two people to compromise or three people to compromise. It's another thing for one to have to compromise. That's why I will forever give credit to Chris Bosh, who's someone I've gotten to know a little bit over the years. He hosted the old show with me on a a handful of occasions. Another super smart, awesome guy. 
And Chris Bosh's approach when he teamed up with LeBron and Dwayne Wade was, I've been a star on a bad team. I've put up huge numbers on a bad team. I've got all the money I could ever possibly spend and then some. I want to win. And I'm going to, I'm going to take a step back and I'm going to just fill whatever role needs be filled here, even though it means diminishing my greatness. Because there are people who will ask the question, is Chris Bosh going to wind up in the Hall of Fame? Chris Bosh was on a first ballot Hall of Fame trajectory, and he chose to win. Now, the wins are going to help his Hall of Fame case, but the point is this is a guy who could have averaged 25 points a year every year, for sure. He chose to sacrifice all of that to play with those other two guys. Is that what Kyrie Irving is going to do? I don't know. It's not an easy thing to do. But like Kyrie, Chris Bosh, highly intelligent, figured it out, said this is what it's going to take. I'm willing to do it. Let's see if Kyrie is willing to do it, because I think that is what it's ultimately going to come to. In the meantime, I gave you a little time to think about it. Again, the fascinating stat brought to you by DraftKings, and this is a great one. James Harden and Kevin Durant have combined for 138 points in their first two games together in Brooklyn. Only one pair of teammates ever scored more points in their first two games together for a franchise. Nuno, did you know this one? You heard it on Get Up this morning. We did it on Get Up this morning. I almost asked Hembo not to put it in the TV show this morning because I wanted to use it here. I'm hoping you didn't see it. The answer is Wilt Chamberlain and a player named York Larisi. In 1961, they came together and combined for 151 points in their first two games as teammates. 151 points. Bubba, of those 151, how many do you think Chamberlain scored? Again, Harden and Durant have basically split this pretty much right down the middle. Will Chamberlain and York Larisi combined for 151 points as teammates in their first two games. How many of them do you think Wilt scored? Hmm, I'm going to go 97. 139. Okay. <laughs> Chamberlain scored 139 and Larisi scored 12. But they are the highest scoring pair of teammates ever to come together in their first two games in a franchise. I told you, it's a phenomenal statistic. And it just goes to show you, and Jalen has said this to me a million times, there's the record book, and then there's Will Chamberlain. He basically has his own record book. So Will Chamberlain himself scored more points in those two games, 139, than Harden and Durant have combined to score in their first two games together, 138. Use that one today. You'll have a little fun. Thanks for spending some time with me. I'll see you back in Better Than Ever tomorrow morning for Get Up and then back here on ESPN Radio.